Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Sesh Sessions. I'm your host, Tyron. We are going to cover two scientific American articles. One of them will be on mental health and expanding its care. And the other one is firefighting robots go autonomous. But before I get into it, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your chosen listening platform. Follow us on Instagram at Sesh Sessions. Uh, follow us on Facebook as well at Sesh Sessions. And yeah, um, if you haven't already, do please check out episode number 10 where I interviewed Danny, Danny Reardon. Um, if you haven't already, but without further ado, let's get into it. So, this article is from December 1st last year, but I think it's still relevant. It is a classic refrain in psychological research. People are more resilient than they realise. The acute upheaval of the early pandemic era led to a spike in depression and anxiety. A year or so later, those numbers appeared in many studies to return to pre-pandemic levels, reflecting the science that says most of us tend to bounce back from traumatic events. But the longer-term disruptions, losses and volatile shifts from hope to fear to languishing are harder to pass. COVID has already killed or disabled millions, deepened economic insecurity and racial inequality, and forced radical adaptations to daily life. Its serious effects on mental health and well-being very likely will continue and in ways still unknown. In 2020, the US Congress responded to the mental health crisis by providing temporary funding for services and forcing the expansion of insurance coverage. These emergency measures must be permanently extended to meet emerging needs and expanded to tackle long-standing and systemic inadequacies in care. In September, the American Psychological Association called on Congress to do just that, along with mandating increases in the number of mental health providers, the Lancet COVID-19 Commission Task Force on Mental Health, meanwhile, wrote that the pandemic offers a critical opportunity to invest in and strengthen mental health care systems to achieve a priority of esteem meaning that someone who is mentally ill should have equal access to evidence-based treatment as someone who is physically ill. And that is exactly what we should get. Now, whether or not they will, able, they will, be, able, they will be able to bring this into fruition, time will tell. The idea that mental health is less legitimate than physical health has led to poultry insurance coverage, a scarcity of counselling professionals and regulatory hurdles 
that make finding care especially difficult in rural and other underserved locations. Yet research has continued to reveal that the separation between mind and body is a false one. Chronic emotional distress can significantly increase the chances of developing serious physical disease. Talk therapy is especially well suited to telemedicine, which has grown rapidly as an emergency measure and can be adopted as a true alternative to clinical settings. Video-based sessions work as well as, if not better, than in-person sessions, perhaps because it is easier for people to show up consistently. Insurance companies must continue to cover virtual appointments. Equally important are systemic policy changes to bolster socio-economic support. It is harder to cope with emotional distress when also worrying about financial security. Young people in particular have been hurt by pandemic disruptions. Many are struggling to see a hopeful future for themselves. A key to resilience, researchers agree that preempting behavioural problems and mental illness makes more sense than beginning treatment after a crisis. One way to proactively reach more young people is to teach cognitive behavioural therapy and mindfulness in schools which I think that should be an absolute vital thing in schools. Using standard textbooks and trainings, students could learn to self-soothe, regulate emotions and form healthy coping mechanisms for stress. Such institutional programmes would be especially helpful for the more than 2 million children worldwide who have lost a caregiver to COVID. Two other groups of people need a dedicated focus. Those who were infected with COVID and those who treat them. In a recent global review, more than half of the people who tested positive report symptoms of so-called long COVID, including brain fog, lethargy, and depression. Approximately one in three survivors have been diagnosed with a generalised anxiety disorder and one in eight with post-traumatic stress disorder. Clinicians must prepare for a surge of patients who need psychiatric treatment, nurses, doctors and other healthcare workers to need more institutional support. Many still avoid speaking up about psychological distress, fearing often rightly that it could jeopardise their jobs. Ending the stigma of seeking care would help them acknowledge the traumas of COVID as well as the burnout that was already endemic in in the profession. The quote end of the pandemic must not signal a return to the status quo if only because it is not only the global force threatening emotional resilience, severe wildfire seasons, rapidly intensifying hurricanes and deluge of rain, all consequences of climate change mean that more and more people are experiencing terrifying disasters and loss. Such upheavals will keep overlapping rather than dissipating. It is long past time to prioritise mental health 
as essential to overall health. Fostering resilience in a world of accelerating uncertainty depends on it. And now, as I said, this article is from December last year, but it's still relevant. And when you slightly raise the mention of mental health care, it's not great. It needs a massive overhaul. Uh, it needs more than an, expand, an expansion because the, the system as a whole is broken. It's been underfunded for God knows how long. Um, and so, yeah, I think, as I say, I mean, written down on an article is easy. It's easy to write write about this but doing it is the hot is where the hard work starts and who knows but something has got to be done about it because we can't keep regressing we can't go one we can't go two steps forward and then take a massive a massive three steps back in terms of you know the mental mental health system you know the NHS or the Amer- or American equivalent, you know, we need to find a way of progressing forward. So that was that article, and let's move on to the second and final one. So as I mentioned, firefighting robots go autonomous. Both independent and remote controlled machines can save lives. So, firefighting, one of the nation's most tradition-based, tradition-bound professions, is poised for an influx of eccentric assistance. They range from contraceptions, the size of a toy wagon, to two-ton beasts that resemble military tanks and can blast out 2,500 gallons of water per minute. Some move on rubber, tires, some on steel tracks, and some fly, all are robots. At a time when more than 3,000 Americans die in fires each year, including an average of 85 firefighters, these high-tech devices can enter burning buildings too hot for human survival. They can penetrate smoke too toxic for human lungs. They are often faster, stronger, and more agile than the firefighters they work with. Most of the machines currently in use are remote controlled, but researchers are now developing intelligent firefighting robots that can make decisions autonomously. And this article was written in October 29th of last year. So, autonomous or not, no one expects machines to completely replace humans on the fire line. Robots are tools, explains Giuseppe Luiano, an assistant professor at New York University. And one valuable thing they can do is reduce risk to human firefighters. Yeah. With more than 350,000 American homes burning annually and climate change contributing to 10,000 active daily wildfires worldwide, 
Robots can offer some respite to firefighters entering blazing buildings or traversing steep mountain sides. The main challenge these machines face is institutional reluctance to invest in devices tailored to meet these varying niche needs. This is not a technological problem. It's more of a socio-economic problem, says Neil Sahosa, an investor who advises the United Nations on artificial intelligence issues. Researchers are working to change this. One of the most affordable automations developed thus far was built by a group of university students using widely available off-the-shelf materials. An unassuming machine resembling a teched-out canary yellow go-kart, it carries a water tank and a shoebox-sized PC. The latter uses information from onboard sensors to move around without crossing into obstacles. A skinny arm protrudes above the chassis and can bend in several places, including an upper elbow that twists into angles beyond what a human limb could tolerate. The arm is tipped with a heat-sensing camera, another camera that measures depth and colour and a nozzle. In a recent demonstration, this robot pauses in a doorway to get its geospatial bearings, then rolls smoothly into position to assess the room. The tip of the arm rotates, scanning the walls in search of a heat source. When it finds one, it aims the nozzle and opens up, spraying water in a grid pattern precisely over the hotspot. The fire out, the robot pauses in a puddle as if taking a ceremonial bow. It recently won the 2020 Mohammed bin Zayed International Robotics Challenge. What makes this working class cousin to R2-D2 unique is the way its student designers combined hardware components with software intelligence, says Leano, who coordinated the project. The students demonstrated that an autonomous firefighter can be built for around forty to $50,000, even as little as 10000 by using less expensive components, Leano adds. That's 30 times cheaper than the cost of some firefighting bots currently in use. This autonomous bot has yet to be tested in a real-world fire. However, mobility is the big complication, says Sahota, who was not involved in the student collaboration. It is possible to program a robot to manipulate stairwells or even do backflips. Sahota notes, but adapting the autonomous robot for unexpected and uneven terrains remains daunting, he says. A human-controlled robot called Robotic Systems, RS3, now in use by the Los Angeles City Fire Department, has met some of these real-world mobility challenges and proved useful by dragging hose lines up steep hills and even pulling horses out of mud. Quackmars, says LAFT Assistant Chief Wade White. The 300,000 RS3 American-made and funded through the Fire Department's foundation has also worked with firefighters in buildings with collapsing roofs, places where we could potentially lose a human life, White says. 
at £3,500 with a massive yellow plow nose, tank rag, tress and a nozzle that can blast water at 10 times the rate of a conventional fire hose, the OS3 is certainly less vulnerable than its human coworkers, but it still relies on one of them to control it from a safe distance of 900 feet. Operators can view video and temperature information from four cameras that monitor the robot's surroundings. One camera mounted on the nozzle shows where the water spray is directed. Another uses thermal imaging to help an operator find any potential victims. Unlike the case with the student's autonomous device, the people running RS3 and other human-operated robots are processing all this information and making decisions based on input from the devices, White says. That distinguishes RS3 and other human-operated robots from the student's product. It will never replace firefighters. Instead, it is a tool that allows humans to choose effective strategies without risking their lives. Which is true. Faced with steadily worsening wildfires in America, in America, in the American West, the U.S. Forest Service has been dabbling with remote-controlled firefighting technologies since the early 2000s. Its program began in earnest in 2018, driven by four firefighters, firefighters carrying helicopter crashes since 2010. That's 16 fatalities in eight years, said Dirk Giles, manager of the agency's unmanned aircraft system program. We need to deploy technologies to get our employees out of that out of that their demands curve after flying observational drones for several years to gather information about fire conditions. The agency added dragons dragon eggs to its arsenal remote-controlled aircraft drop sphere the size of a ping-pong ball filled with two compounds, potassium permanganate and glycol. They descend through the canopy to the ground where the chemicals react to start small and deliberate fires. These controlled burns aim to return fire to its natural role in the landscape, where it helps burn where it helps keep forest fuels at more balanced levels. Since the program started, the Forest Service has used dragon eggs to start about 200,000 acres of intentional burns. Other scientists are skeptical about the promise of robotic firefighting technology. Forest and vegetation management is where immediate Efforts should be, focused, should be focused, says Brandon Collins, a fire researcher at the University of California, Berkeley. Even scientists immersed in robotic technology admit it is not a magic bullet. The hotel, for example, doubts communities' willingness to invest in robots that can cost in excess of six figures, with each machine, machine designed for very specific needs. The economies of scale aren't quite the same as for mass manufacturing, he said. Still, as house fires continue to claim human lives and warming temperatures to dry out forests, 
Social content this technology is important for firefighter safety and for straightforward fire suppression. We don't have enough firefighters as it is, he says. With climate change, we're already at a breaking point. And so that's the that's the both articles. Um sorry it was a bit of a short one but that's the only relevant articles that I felt that needed to be spoken about. Um so yeah, um if you enjoyed today's episode again don't forget to um if you are able to give us a like rating or review as it's a free way to help us promote the show. You know, leave us a review, like, or star rating. And follow us on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram, both the same, same handles, Seth Sessions. You can also follow me on Twitter if you want, at Tom underscore Yoffa. Um, and yeah, um, so with one thing I have to say, and that is, hope you all have a very good weekend, happy Easter, and I will see, and you will hopefully get another episode in the next few days. Bye, bye, everyone.